wow! It's the third annual Summer Estate First Annual Concert Series, and boy, oh boy, we got a lot up for you today. You gotta get some music on there. Chicago's gonna be here, so we're gonna mellow out and have Chicago. This is the first time ever in the history of video games, music and concerts, and the first ever concert series. Don't worry about last week. That was done. done. Let's start this week, the first annual first episode of The Ding, and uh, like that. So get ready, sit down, maybe you'll even listen to the show on the yacht, as Chicago, all eyes will be on Chicago, as Chicago comes to the We Talk Game Studio to talk about video games. Today they're going to talk about Hardhead 2, you won't want to miss it. I gotta go now. I had to tell you what was gonna happen. I know it's gonna be a great show. Don't miss it. Uh. go! Yeah, that's right. It's the Saturday in the park. And uh, this is Hugh and uh, Jungle Rat Rob from the Retro League. We are doing a little guest appearance here for the We Talk Games Arcade Weekly podcast. So this is an arcade review show brought to you each week, every single Monday, totally for free. It comes from your dear friends over at WeTalkGames.com. And it's part of their third annual Summer of Stinky Summer Concert Series. This is the third year in a row that they were doing Summer of Stinky, and uh, we're back. We did it last year, and we're going to be talking about a thoroughly stinky game. This time, it's Hardhead 2 in the arcade, a, a title that's very hard for me to pronounce. I don't know why. So again, we're from the Retro League podcast. Uh, Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I was a little bit confused by the game that we're playing, because the first time I booted it up, it just looked like the R was a P. So I was like, wait, are we playing Hapthead 2? <laughs> Hapthead 2. That would have been a better game if such a game existed. And I'm looking at that logo again because I, I guess I missed that. You're right. It's more like Hap.D.Head. Yeah. I think is the title. <laughs> um, so this is a 1991 arcade game by a little known company called Sun A, who I believe is related to Chick Phil A. Is that how you pronounce the, the fried chicken franchise? Yes. Okay. I think Sun A is a Korean game maker. It is. Or was. Yes. Yeah. And um, I don't know anything about the Korean language, but like there's also a system called the Super A Can that was Korean. So there must be some significance to the letter A. Like maybe it means video game. <laughs> All right. And this is a platformer. So you don't see a lot of, 
when I say platformer, I mean, it's like an attempt to do a... We'll talk about the game in a little more detail, but it's an attempt to do a... I would call it a Rastan-like game, is I think what they were going for. Hmm, yeah. I mean, Rastan, if it was extremely poorly executed. But uh, yes. <laughs> how would you describe the story of this game? Um, very silly. It's the most common story in the world. Um, <laughs> when the game comes up, it starts off with this little munchkin guy and a little munchkin girl kind of dancing. And he like has this trumpet where he blows some hearts in her direction. And then a one-eyed ogre kind of giant thing comes up out of the background. It's really weird because the guy and the girl look like they were drawn in MS paint, but the ogre looks like it's from, I don't know, like a, a, a regular video game. Well, a lot of their graphics, just, just we're going to get to this later, a lot of the graphics look like they were ripped from other games. Yeah, yeah. And the weird thing is, like, you expect, okay, the monster's going to capture the girl, but, like, he shoots out a ray out of his eye and beams her into his eye. Right. And then in the cutscenes, he's um, chewing on her. Yeah, that's weird. So I don't know how you got the whole, like, eye-to-mouth thing to, to work there. I mean, it could have been like Mick Foley with the tooth when he fell off the cage kind of deal, but... Um, <laughs> It's all very, very puzzling. I mean, it's basically Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghost Story. Right? You're minding yeah. your own business, playing your trumpet for your, your girlfriend. My, there's not an instrument less romantic on earth than the trumpet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so even the tuba. Any of the single guy. Yeah, a tuba. Yeah, tuba's worse. Yeah, for any of the single guys out there, don't try and woo ladies with the trumpet or the tuba. <laughs> even if it's a magic trumpet that shoots out hearts, just go for like poetry or something. There's, there's got to be something yeah. more romantic than a magic trumpet. Right, right. I think um, a dead skunk is slightly more romantic than a trumpet or tuba. <laughs> game mechanics. Game mechanics. Not like people working underneath the arcade game, but how it controls. Very poorly. Your basic four button or two button four direction platformer, right? There's a there's a joystick. Now I've only played this on Meme, so I can't tell you what the original controls are like and you've got an attack button and jump that's the uh the, the gist of it now jump you can kind of float in the air a little bit like princess from super mario 2 but not as long you can kind of do like a delayed like when you jump you can kind of hold the jump button and not so much hover but lengthen the amount of time you're in the air yeah i was confused by that because one of the power-ups you can get in this game is a pair of wings but the weird thing is, I couldn't really notice much of a difference with the wings. No, I noticed a very small difference. And it could have been some sort of um, psychological effect. Like, because you have wings, you <laughs> think you're hovering longer. But the reality is, yeah. it makes no difference whatsoever. Um, the attacks, though, vary greatly based on the type of weapon that you have. You start off with no weapons and you're just kicking everything. It's sort of weird because, like, I think you start off like in the picture you're, you know, on the um, the title screen where it says "Hap D Head." It um, you're you're like barefoot, just wearing overalls. But in the game, you actually have boots. I I, I don't know. I guess I, I shouldn't worry about um, canon or what's the word I'm looking for? Continuity here. <laughs> yeah. The kick is kind of ineffective attack. Um, obviously, you can only hit stuff that's directly in front of you, and then you get you can get a club 
which has a little more range. Sometimes you get a club that you can like throw like a boomerang. It looks yeah. just like the other club. Yeah, it was a weird power up because I thought it was going to be like a, a what do they call it? A morning star or a flail where it's a spiky ball on, on a stick and then you swing it around with the chain, but there's no chain. The ball just kind of flies out and goes in a circle. Mm-hmm. You know, I also I figured out pretty quick that you can jump on enemies kind of like Mario, but you float a little bit. So it's really a little bit more difficult than Mario to, to time those jumps and land on the guys. But usually there were too many enemies on screen for that to really be helpful because when you're jumping on one enemy, there's often another enemy above it. So you just bounce into an enemy. Right, right. Definitely, they had figured out how to uh, create the maximum number of sprites you can put on the screen at any given time and uh, flood it. I mean, there there really are too many enemies on the screen most of the time. And, and you're right. I accidentally found out you could jump on enemies mostly by like trying to jump over another enemy and landing on one. <laughs> yeah, I so found- then you also get the club. Did you get the club that you actually throw out and like comes back to you? I don't remember. I don't think so, because, like, you don't keep weapons very long. If you get hit, you lose them, but then you can re-pick them up. But because that happens so much, I often got confused as to, like, well, what weapon do I currently have? Because other weapons will replace that. Yes. Now, that's what's different about it from, like, other games. Like, when you get hit, you drop the weapon, but you can pick the weapon right back up again. It's not, like, gone. Like, if you lose a weapon in... I guess Ghosts and Goblins, you never lose the weapon. But if you pick up a weapon, it's not like the old one's left behind for you to go pick up. Yeah, I guess there were a couple of similarities between this and Ghosts and Goblins. The Probably the most noticeable one is that in Ghosts and Goblins, you lose your armor when you get hit. The character in this game loses their overalls, and it's quite a disturbing sight to see. Yeah, yeah, because I, th- I think it's um, anatomically correct. Or, yeah, this big, uh, goofy cartoon kind of baby man well right you, you feel like it's probably illegal to be looking at that <laughs> yeah um, he's not totally naked he has stripper boots on yeah he always keeps his boots that's a little weird right well you want to walk around barefoot kicking enemies i guess <laughs> uh, sticking with weapons for one more second the absolute worst weapon not maybe in any video game ever but in this game, for sure, maybe in my uh, top 10 worst weapons list, the trumpet. Yes. Yeah, so, it definitely makes my top 10 worst power-ups in a game also. So you ten. get the trumpet, and it blows bubbles directly up into your face. That's the <laughs> attack. Like, I guess if there were face huggers from aliens, the trumpet would be useful. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's not very long range in fact i think you get more range out of like the kick oh yeah for sure 100 percent. the kick is better than the trumpet and i uh i know i would go out of my way to avoid the, the trumpet like i can't keep going back to ghosts and goblins but it is a similar game like when the the torch appears in ghosts and goblins you will do anything to not get the torch like it's kind of neat the first time you get it to um fry a zombie with fire but then you quickly realize that weapon is um going to get you killed faster uh, than anything else yeah so one of the annoying things i found was that when you hit a weapon power up that causes it to kind of bounce forward or bounce away but 
when you have that like ball and chain weapon because it goes behind you i found one time i had gotten past a trumpet power up and i was like okay i'm past it but then the weapon i had went behind me and knocked it forward and it ended up falling onto me and i was like i almost didn't get the trumpet yeah Another thing that I found especially annoying about this game is that you can't just keep advancing through the level. Like, you get to a point in the level, and then it tells you you are stuck. I don't use those exact words, right? But it doesn't let you continue scrolling until you've defeated all the enemies on the screen. Did you ever get to a, a section like that, or were you just very proactive about killing enemies? <laughs> no, I, I remember that, but I also, even before that, remember that it doesn't always scroll, like, left to right or up or down. In fact, it doesn't really scroll smoothly. Like, you're given either up or down or left or right. So there were times where I'm like, okay, which way am I going next? And then I kind of have to, like, scroll down if that's the way the level is going, and then it'll go, you know, right again. And it was a little bit confusing. So when I got to, say, uh, screen where I had to defeat, I don't know, like five purple monkeys, then, yeah, it was kind of annoying, but I was sort of used to it starting and stopping. Yeah, it was very jerky uh, scrolling. And a lot of times you felt like you were going to walk off the edge of the screen before it started um, scrolling. And like you described, the like move down to scroll right thing that it does, or move up to scroll right, it's... Um, it's just sort of like it, it's one of these things where it's like designed by people who have maybe a concept of what a video game is or a concept <laughs> of the style of game, but don't execute it very well. Yeah, it's funny. This sort of game, I would understand if it, if it was like, this is the first time I've ever tried making a video game. I'd be like, oh, OK, but it's a sequel. <laughs> right. So it can't be. Yes. Yeah, it feels like something that someone made in game maker studio for windows 3.1 i don't that's a real program i'm just assuming it is <laughs> so what games is this similar to uh, i'll tell you uh, off the top of my head there's two that come to mind obviously we talked about ghosts and goblins um actually there's three for me there's athena on the nes it actually plays an awful lot like athena on the nes which is a terrible port of uh, neo geo game right was, was that Athena was, I, or was made by SNK, so maybe it's maybe yeah. it's not a Neo Geo game. I'm always wrong. It's from that same com company, SNK. Okay, but it plays a lot like Athena. But you know, instead of being like a cool demigod, you're like this man child with a deformed head. Um, I always kind of figured, like when I looked at this character, I just figure he was born with this funky head, and the doctor gave his parents one of those skull shaping helmets. You know, it's real popular <laughs> today. Like we were the only parents that didn't put them on our kids. I don't know why, but like in our generation, us Gen Xer parents love the skull shaping helmet. But anyhow, some kids legitimately need them, and this kid needed one. But he kept like taking it off or fidgeting with it, so the parents were like, "Forget it, I just get rid of the helmet. I put it on." <laughs> and the other really obvious example is when he's walking around naked in his stripper boots. All you can think of is um, Custer's Revenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if this perhaps was meant to be a prequel to Custer's <laughs> Revenge. Like, this is supposed to be young uh, Colonel. Was he Colonel or General? I don't remember. General Colonel Custer. It's a young version of him. <laughs> His uh, girlfriend was kidnapped by Satan. <laughs> yeah. One of the games, I guess, that featured a sort of like extendable melee weapon that 
kind I'm kind of reminded of is Rockin' Cats on the NES, but that was way more refined and it used the sort of punch glove weapon. It was easy to figure out what you were doing with it, but you could do a lot more. You could sort of bounce off of it. So the jumping off of enemies was actually a lot more fun <laughs> in that game. But I guess one of the, the, the things that, that makes me the most critical about this is that this came out the same year as Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just, I, to me, it doesn't matter if it comes from like Korea or, or anywhere else in the world. Like by 1991, I feel like they should have done better. They should have known better. Well, you know, this kind of maybe leads to the next section here about the artwork. Now, other than the main character, the graphics were not bad for 1991. I mean, I think that they were strange. The monsters were not like anything you'd seen here. And again, maybe, you know, in Japan, you know, Japanese and American produced games are sort of used to like certain types of enemies that just get repeated over and over again in games. So maybe these are like based on some kind of uh, Korean folklore, something I don't know about. But, you know, the enemies look goofy, but the detail and colors are good. A lot of the game looks all right when you're not trying to play it, um, <laughs> other than if you took the man-child character out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a couple of bosses had that kind of chain effect where they use multiple sprites to sort of try to fake doing a line, but the, they were still really weird monsters. There was some kind of... I'm trying to think, like, dinosaur kind of thing with that extendable neck, and there was a... I don't even know. It was like a weird little ball with a giant human face and then two little legs and then a weird tail kind of thing with another guy. And that was like the boss of level four. And then I think the final boss. Hmm. Well, you made it to the final. I, I didn't make it. I made it to the second boss. And then I said, um, I'm never playing this game again. <laughs> and that was one of the more disappointing things to be like, wait a minute. They're just recycling bosses. Oh, well, then I'm glad I did not continue to play through it. So it's not like hardware wise. I'm just looking. I'm looking at the actual specs on this thing. It wasn't a terribly advanced bit of hardware. They say it was two Z80 processors. So essentially, if you glued two master systems together, (laughs) um, I realize it's a little bit more than that. But um, that's kind of the idea. This wasn't running hardware comparable to Street Fighter 2. So clearly the developers were trying to go a little bit cheap on it. There is a copy of the like maintenance manual here and the how to play manual, but it's, I'm not gonna make fun of the English because the guys that wrote it aren't native English speakers, but it does attempt to explain like what all the um, items are. There's the, yeah, we should have done this. So the thing that I thought of, they got mallet, iron hammer, trumpet, and wings. So the iron hammer is the thing that you, you described as like a, a whirling star or, or flail. And the mallet is more the thing I was thinking of. It's like a boomerangy bat thing. But sometimes it's a bat and sometimes it boomerangs. <laughs> it's hard to tell which one it's, it's going to do. Maybe there's some power-up thing. Now, it says, for wings, possible to fly in the air in case of the button for jump is pressed continuously. Did you try pressing jump continuously or just j- holding it when you jumped? No, not really. Yeah. I, I feel like it did the same thing, like, again, a- after I picked up the wings is whenever I was jumping before I got them. So the manual doesn't really help you uh, play the game all that much. So what about the music? Got any, any <laughs> thoughts on the soundtrack? Um, the music in the first level reminded me a lot of 
there was a song that was kind of like background music in the old cartoon Garfield and Friends, specifically the U.S. Acres, like when they were on the farm. And was it, I always the theme song to Happy Acres or something? Maybe. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was so repetitive. Like all the music in this game is really short and repetitive, and I just don't really like it. Yeah, see, I did not mind the music that much, but you're right, it is repetitive. Like, the first two or three loops, you're like, yeah, this is all right. This isn't so bad. And then, because the stages take a while to get through, because they make you kill all the enemies and all that stuff, the music does uh, get very grating very fast. So, is there anything about the game you liked? Hmm. <sighs> well, I was able to figure out that, like, <laughs> there was there's a power-up you can get that sort of gives you another hit. So when you lose your clothes, you can get it back. Um, and that was a relief. Always getting that power up was just like, oh, phew. I guess the graphics are okay. You know, a lot, there's a lot of big, colorful creatures and stuff. And the stages, I don't know, the background graphics are okay, too. But I, uh, I'm, tr I'm really trying to struggle for other things I liked about this game because there was so much I didn't. Yeah, no. I'll say what I liked is that um, the ripped off graphics, like the POW icons, it reminded me of better games. <laughs> Even the graphics that were like directly ripped off from Toki Goes Ape Spit, which is a terrible game, but still better than this. I looked at it and said, yeah, Toki's a little better game than this. <laughs> and the, the other good thing is if you suffer from low self-esteem, this is a good game because even if you die immediately, you just lose like all three lives at the, at the beginning of the first stage, you still end up on the high score list. <laughs> um, like it's almost impossible to not get your initials in the game on every single play because there's uh, 20 or 30 slots and it's a pretty low barrier to get on the list. So there you go. You feel good about yourself after playing it. Yeah, I guess one more thing I can say that I like about this is that, like, even though you lose a weapon if you get hit, you're never really defenseless. You can always either hop on the enemies or kick them. So I guess that's a good thing. If Ghosts and Goblins, you could jump on the enemies. I guess that wouldn't make a lot of sense, but the game would be a lot easier. So maybe this is easier than the game that I think it's sort of ripping off. Speaking of ripping off or, or just things that remind me, like the, the first enemy you see is a little turtle with some kind of like bottle on his head. And that reminded me of some of the enemies from Golden Axe. There was like the little thief guy where you, you'd kick him and he'd drop a little potion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The little um, guy like in the blue robe thing. Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. Now, I know I'm looking at the graphics here and there seems to be some weird like propaganda later in the game. I didn't get far enough, but there's some stage where you're like in China and there's pictures of Chairman Mao in the background. I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah, me neither. So who would you recommend this game to? <laughs> Anybody who wants a good laugh. Good laugh, uh, yeah. If you just want to like try out Korean games or... Yeah, I was going to say like if you were doing a book on the history of Korean game development. And I don't know what's done. I mean, I know like online gaming is, is huge in Korea, although I don't know if uh, game development is a booming industry there or not. I mean, I'm going to kind of assume like mobile game development probably does pretty well there, but I don't, you know, I, don't, I can't think of any games imported to America that were like Korean developed games that were big hits. Every time I say that though, someone like says, Oh, but well, you talked about this game on your podcast and you loved it. Did you know that was done in Korea? Like, well, obviously I didn't. 
So just going off my own experience, I don't I don't know of a lot of, but if you were trying to do, yeah, exactly, like history of creating game companies or game companies that have names that end in the letter A. If you enjoy the show, this is uh, We Talk Games. Um, I almost get plugged our show, <laughs> but I'll plug our show too. We're, uh, we're from the Retro League podcast. You can go to theretroleague.com and download our show. We do a weekly show where we do like retro gaming news and we each pick a game of the week that we review. Uh, as for We Talk Games, if you're listening to the show and you don't remember where you got it, We Talk Games, of course, is on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. They're on a bunch of social media outlets. So Reddit, they are r slash We Talk Games and Twitter at We Talk Games. And Facebook is facebook.com slash We Talk Games. And I hear there's something going on August 12th and 13th. So, yeah, August 12th and 13th, you can come see the hosts of We Talk Games live at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo in Garden City, New York, at the Cradle of Aviation. There'll be a live episode there recorded as part of the event. Yes, if my wedding anniversary was not that weekend, I would go out and visit. I um, 16th anniversary this year, and if I want to make it another 16, I should not take my wife to a Retro Gaming Expo for anniversary. I think that wraps up Hardhead 2 for uh, We Talk Games Arcade Weekly. Thanks for listening. And someone will see you next week. Okay, well, they did it again. Did it again. Now, uh, sorry, buddy, that wasn't Chicago. Uh, so now what? Once again, up to Stinky the Game Masters. Above ground submarine band. Don Fennin. Uh, what are we gonna do? Uh, old one by Eddie Cochran? Yeah. I know it. Wait, can you do me a favor first? Turn the fucking air conditioner off! Okay. People expect. People expect professional show, and that's what they're gonna get. So, uh, yeah. On 15, guys, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Huh. I've been working fifteen miles just to find a half a dollar. Huh. I walk in my school and I gotta wear a collar. Yeah. Every time I call TD, your dad picks up the phone and he says, uh, Who's calling? I can't see you. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna choose. Tahiti, no cure! Uh. Oh yeah! Yo, what the show? What we do? But we decided that I gotta make some money. So I hit him with a brick and then I took all his money Yeah, I rode him right in the street My headphones fell off, I had to sell my brick Can't get work cause you are a dick Everybody, what do you wanna do? Hey, no cure, why? I'm gonna take two weeks to get an education huh. Then I'll get a job and I'll go on vacation Ask the guy, what you gonna do? Come around, see how I'm doing In the boy, wait, 
I gotta entertain the people. Well, I'll tell you what, I know for a fact, next week, uh, we're not gonna screw up like this. Cause if we do, like that, see? I'll stab you right in the belly. Yeah. I'd kiss you on both cheeks if you had a head. Uh, next week we're gonna have Nazareth, hair of the dog. It won't, you're not gonna pull that trick. It won't be Jesus in Nazareth, that's for two. Because, uh, actually, it's Jesus Nazarene, see? Which means that uh, he, he was actually part of a cult of the Nazareans. What's that, Don? I've been hanging out with Wiggly too much, yeah. We're going to have the, some boys from Nazareth next week's show. As the Summer of Stink! Third annual and the first annual concert series extraordinaire! continues with more concerts and more music coming your way. Don't miss it. You'll be surprised at what happens at the end.